As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute and I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Laz and Powers podcast. I'm Mark Lazarus joined by Scott Powers, both of The Athletic. Uh, we're excited today. We've got a, a special guest, uh, Blackhawks head coach Jeremy Colleton is joining us today. Uh, Jeremy, how you doing? I'm great. How are you guys? Good, good. What what are you doing these days? What what does an NHL head coach do when you have no idea when the NHL season is going to start? Yeah, it's um, obviously like around the draft and free agency. We were you know got pretty busy just you know for myself just watching players and and uh, you know having input on on certain things. And um, but now that that's kind of quieted down, um, it's a lot of. Uh, we're, we're going to start wrapping up, you know, with the coaching staff and having some more meetings and uh, it just, everyone's kind of hoping for some direction as far as what the season's going to look like, how far out are we, um, all those things. I don't know if we're going to get it, <laughs> but you know, yeah, it's a lot easier to make a plan and you know, when am I going to try, I'm trying to leave the players alone somewhat uh, over the last little bit until we get more of an idea of what um, it's going to look like camp wise. And then maybe I'll do another round of, you know, zoom meetings or whatever it may be phone calls. Um, but we're still, still thinking about things, still, still having, um, you know, conversations and whatnot and, and uh, thinking ahead to what it might look like, but uh, hoping for some more direction. It was probably, I don't know what we all expect going in this offseason, but you guys to probably be a little bit calmer than you guys have been with the, with moves. And how how much have you guys, I don't know, just how much communication have you had with Stan or Say and what you guys have done? And I don't know if you kind of go through what you've thought of this offseason so far. Yeah, well, Stan, he's uh, the way he runs the team is is very collaborative. He wants to hear what, what you think. And so um, that's been great for me to be involved in, in the process and uh, have a chance to you know put my views out there and uh, and then we talk it out and, and certainly there's there's other people involved too but 
think we're we feel really good about uh direction we're going and i'm excited um i mean we've obviously there's been a lot of talk about um you know what we're doing as a as an organization but um we the focus still is we want to get back to being an elite team and and so how do we do that and uh, we got a lot of young guys coming through and we're excited to give them opportunity and we feel like um that's the way we're going to get there so for me looking at that um going into the season i'm just excited about it so when stan comes up to you and says you know what we think we're gonna let Corey crawford walk I'm assuming it came from Stan, not not your uh, proposal. What's your initial reaction to that? Did you fight it at all? Did you think, well, man, that's that's our safety valve right there? I mean, I mean, what was your reaction when, when Stan first proposed that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's there, there's a lot of different um, variables, right? I mean, that's that's why you have these conversations. It's not just one one combo. Oh, hey, we might do this, yes or no. <laughs> you know, like there's a there's a process to go through and there's a lot of people involved and uh, I love Corey and, you know, he's a great goaltender. I, I was, you know, it was great to have him. I mean, obviously he, his uh, career speaks for itself so far and he's, he's not done yet. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely miss him. Um, at the same time, like I think everyone's on the same page. We, we need to give these other guys an opportunity and, and uh, that flexibility that we, we maybe gained um out of that decision you know that should benefit us going forward you, you had delia in, in rockford you've had suban um these guys haven't played for you much in the nhl but you, you have something what what what's your take on them Where, where's your confidence level and i mean it, it, suban had some nhl experience delia a little bit lincoln and doesn't what does this feel at all like a risk are you, are you unsure of what these guys can can give you or do you have an idea yeah of course it's a risk i mean we it's not a guarantee that that uh it's going to work out but at the same time we got three um three guys who they've kind of proven it at the american league level and they need that opportunity to show do they have it or not at the next level and um you know i have more experience with with delia but um, certainly Lankin and Subban, I, I know, and, and uh, we think any one of them can break through and, and, uh, sort of take the ball and, and run with it. And, and that's what we need. We need, um, we need young players to break through and, and take more responsibility and, uh, kind of grab on to the opportunity. And, and, uh, we don't know if it's going to work out, but unless we give them the chance, how how can we know when you did when you didn't know about Crawford? Sorry, Mark. When you didn't know about Crawford in, in training camp, was Subban was he the one that you felt like he was deserving of that next opportunity, or was that more based on just him being the backup throughout the I guess the end of the regular season? No, we thought he kind of won. We, we felt like he won the competition in, in training camp, and I mean to his credit, even the game, the exhibition game that he got, thought he was solid. So um, you know that was. It was for him, unfortunate, he didn't get much of a chance when we traded for him because we we kind of made the decision once once uh, you know we moved Leonard that Corey deserved to have the ball and to run with it. And uh, so he, he played all the games right until the until the pause. So, you know, we hadn't seen Subban get he, he got in for a couple minutes. Uh, I forget who we were playing, but, uh, you know, so. Uh, but I thought he was really good in camp, and then his opportunity he got uh, with the exhibition game against St. Louis, he was solid. But um, it's kind of a, 
I don't know. It's not to say it's a blank slate. Like we, we have a, a book on every, every one of these guys, but uh, we're going to give all three of them an opportunity to, to show they deserve uh, the chance. And there's not, it's not just one opportunity we're given. We need two goalies, uh, whatever the schedule turns out to be, we're going to need both of them. And uh, I, I, you know, we're not going to pick winners either. Like let's let it play out and their performance will dictate what we do. Based on the, the offseason moves after Crawford, Yanmark, Walmart, Zadorov, there's been a, kind of a focus on team defense here. Uh, is that partly because you know, I mean, you don't want to throw a bunch of young goalies against, you know, statistically the worst defense in the league. That has to be addressed, uh, had to be addressed regardless, yeah. but is it more urgent? You know, you've got these young goalies that you don't want to, you know, a fragile psyche playing, getting 60 shots a game against. Yeah. Needed to be addressed regardless. We're, we're trying to, every move, every decision that we make needs to be, um, you know, for long-term success, sustainable success, we need depth. We need we need players who who compete at both ends of the ice, um, relentless on both sides of the puck. Uh, we'd like to be harder to play against. So those guys, I think, fit the bill, and um, they're young still. I mean, Janmark's a little bit older, but you know, I, I still think like we don't need. It's not like we need to sweep it clean and bring in all all new young players who have never had an opportunity to go young. Like we already did, we we did it all year. Um, we had the youngest team in the league in the regular season and in the playoffs. So we don't need to, um, you know, bring in ten new rookies to to keep this process going. Um, and the guys that we have. We want to surround them with enough quality so that they can play with good players because that's going to help their transition to, to the NHL and hopefully that confidence. Like if you make a great play, if, if Kirby makes a great play and the guy finishes, it's a lot better for his confidence than if he, the pucks pulls up on a stick. Um, we, we're going to give opportunity to young guys and you know, obviously we, we need them to be ready and like at the level where they can um, play in the league. But we also need to make sure that there's enough quality around them. That's part of development too. And um, to play in competitive games and be in a playoff race and hopefully get in. And, and uh, you know, our Edmonton experience was certainly fortunate um, that we got the chance, but going through those games, you know, whatever it was, you know, nine, that's huge for our guys. and and so they can continue to get better and, and positive no matter the result, like, okay, a few of those guys played really well and they're going to use that as a boost going forward. They know they can do it in the playoffs and, but, and, and then a few of them, uh, it was a struggle, but that will still benefit them. They can still use that experience as motivation in their training. Uh, just understanding the level they need to get to, to be to play in the playoffs, to to be a guy that the coach puts on the ice, um, those experiences we need as part of this uh, to get where we need to go. With, with those young guys, it, I, I feel like we have an idea who those, some of those young guys are and that where their potential is. And some, I, I feel like we don't know still yet. You know, we're um, we're, we're certainly Kirby. Kirby was really good and, and took that next step. And but at the same time with Bolquist and Nylander, where there are a lot of inconsistencies. How I don't know. How, how do you kind of manage that this year where I, I know you sat those guys at times and and you tried to give them more when they were playing well? And then how, how are you going to manage the development aspect as they get older and 
Um, and, and you certainly need more production from those guys to get where you want to be. Their performance will dictate, you know, what we do. It's, um, it doesn't need to be a straight line. It's not going to be. Um, they all, all of our guys, I mean, I said maybe there's one guy who did, but I'm pretty sure all of our young players sat out at some point last year. Kirby sat out, Kubalik sat out, Bolkvist sat out, Nylander sat out. And it's not a commentary on their long-term prospects, from my view. And I think that's important. We need to change the narrative somewhat to those um, things that happen. It's just part of getting them to find a new level to their game. And, and sometimes a player can have a terrible game. And my opinion is they shouldn't come out. It's not the right time. And sometimes their play has just dropped off a little bit, but we feel that the right thing is for them to come out and get, whether it's because they need the feedback, they need to have an individual meeting, or maybe they're just not getting it that their play needs to go. So then it's like, whoa, this is serious. Um, it's all part of what we're trying to do to get these guys to reach another level. And the adversity that they have to go through at times, whether it's because they're not playing as much as they'd like to play, or maybe they're playing well and it's just not happening for them. I mean, that can be a struggle too. Like to bring it, he, we felt like he was playing really well a lot of times and it just wasn't happening for him. And that was hard for him, but we felt he was playing well. We're not going to take him out because he's playing well. Like it's, and, but him going through that, I feel is going to benefit him in his career and, and obviously his performance with us. Um, it doesn't look the same. So I can't really, I can't really give you, uh, there's no, uh, you know, the answers aren't in the back of the book. You know, it's like, we're, we're going to keep giving these guys opportunity. We're going to give them more when we feel like they're ready for it. We're going to give them feedback. We're going to hold them accountable. We're going to, their ice time is going to fluctuate depending on what we think is right in the moment. And not all of these guys are going to turn into NHL players. Not all of these guys are going to be NHL difference makers, but we're going to, because there's so many of them, we feel like, and, and, Obviously, we're not just giving this opportunity to guys off the street. Like we're we're giving the opportunity to guys we feel have a chance to play and and help us win. We feel enough of them are going to break through. It's going to put us in a really good spot going forward. So I'm not so concerned with okay, this guy's going to play in this spot, and you know he's going to you know these two are going to play together, and he must play in this line getting 13 minutes. Like I don't know. It's it's going to play out. And to me, that, that goes back to not picking winners. Like, Because if we do, if we give an opportunity to this guy but not on him, then we're kind of – I think we're, we're handicapping ourselves. I don't want to do that. Piggybacking off of that, it, it felt at times – and, you know, Alex Nylander is a, a flashpoint among the fan base these yes, days. That, Media that, too, I would say. Oh, absolutely. I, I wrote the, I, I wrote it, written it to death. It felt like he got a much longer leash that you did pick a winner there that he was getting those top six minutes and he got it for months on end when he wasn't producing, but he was still getting those minutes. It, it seemed like he was getting a different set of rules than, 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 than some of the other young guys. Is that not fair to say? Well, I would say like how many times did he get healthy scratched? I mean, I don't I'll, remember. It's not bad. It quite a few, I would say. 
And also, he didn't, yes, he did spend time in the top six. Or I would say, to me, I look at it more of like a top nine. Um, well, it changed second half of the year, it seemed to change. But those first couple of months, you were really trying to make that work, it seemed. Well, he's in camp, he started with Taves and Kane, right? So he had he had a little bit of a run there. But we went away from that right away. He was on the fourth line. He was scratched, and then he was on the fourth line for the first you know, and after that, and then, you know, I think we tried him with, uh, he had a, he had a decent stretch with, uh, sod and tapes. Um, so, and, but sometimes it's a case of, you know, we didn't have many righties. So, you know, we, we try to put a right-handed, um, skilled player on that line and, and you got to let it run as well. But then we pulled back from that as well. Then Kubelik went in that spot and, and we seemed to find, um, some, some chemistry there. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, in the coaching staff, I would say we feel that he's got a lot in him. Um, he shows it in flashes. It's inconsistent. We got to help him get there. It's not the complete, obviously, the, the complete package isn't there yet. But, um, you know, he turned 22 in March. He had almost 30 points. Um, it's a pretty good first step in his career. and. I don't know that he. I don't know that he blocked anyone uh, from opportunity. I think we 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 got a lot of guys in, and uh, they and a lot of those other guys took steps too, and that's a positive for us. Are, are you thinking lines already? Where you know it seemed like I guess the one benefit with Kane is that you can play with anyone, but also you want to lift yeah. up his game, and and you guys were hopeful for that line in the playoffs, and and had to go in a different direction, and and sometimes you, you tried to bring it Strom and Kane and. Uh, and sometimes you give up too much defensively. I guess as you put this together, are you having thoughts of combinations, or did you learn anything last year of combinations that work and or might not work in the future? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we uh, we we definitely had a chance to experiment. I mean, we had a because because we had a lot of guys coming through. Um, we mix and match, and and when you have when you're all when you're when you're uh, you have sort of a development mindset and you're pushing and pulling certain young guys that that inevitably there's some churn in your combos um but yeah we, we throw some ideas around i think uh, overall i would like to have to me as part of a winning team you got to have flexibility with with your combos you got to be able to to mix and match depending on performance and have guys who can play different positions and and shuffle them up and down the lineup. Um, you know, Strom is a is a good example. Like we we tried him on wing as a way to you know how can we push him up and in, into more offensive situations? Can we play him with Taves or can we play him with Kirby? Um, you know, down the road is an option. And in the end, we went away from that and we built we built the lineup in a different way. You know, by putting him with Kane and uh, you know Nealander played there a little bit. Just as a, you, you kind of, you'd love to have a team where you can, can load up a top six, but then, then you can also spread out a top nine. And that allows you to do different things at different times, depending on who you're playing, depending on you know, how your guys are playing. I think we'll continue to do that. I don't think we're going to get locked into um, sort of a ghost roster where, you know, this is, this guy's in this spot no matter what, this guy's in this spot no matter what. I'd like to continue to be flexible. We're talking a lot about the young guys, obviously. Yeah. Um, 
because that's the future. That's where we're, that's, that's, that's the long-term plan here, but you still have got Kane, Taves, Keith and Seabrook on this roster. How did that zoom call go with you and Stan and those guys? Uh, obviously Taves was not pleased when Corey Crawford was let go and Brandon Saad was traded. These are guys that are important to the core. Um, do you feel they have, they've fully bought into what you're doing? Are they on board? Yeah. It's as a player, you never like to see a teammate go. I mean, it's, it's the part of the business that's, uh, you know, it's the, it sucks to, for lack of a better term. Um, but no, I think the zoom call was more of a check in and Hey, let's just make sure everyone's on the same page. Um, with, so you know what we're trying to do. If you'd like, um, some more explanation on any of these decisions. I mean, it's hard. Stan's not going to have, you know, 25 phone calls, uh, with, with players and, you know, just to check in, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. What do you, I mean, that's just not realistic, but at the same time, um, just like the coach, I mean, I'm not going to have a team meeting on the bench about who I'm going to send out in the last minute, but it doesn't mean that after the fact we can't uh, discuss it and give a little more explanation for, for what we're doing and why we did it. Um, having said that, I feel like we, we've been pretty open with how we feel we're going to get back to being a top team in the league, not with the media, not with the fans, but certainly with the players. And uh, Why am I not your first phone call when these <laughs> things happen, Jeremy? Come on. I know. That's probably a miscalculation. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, important. it's important that they understand like my goal is to get us back to winning the cup and being a top 10 team. And, and uh, they may not agree with every specific decision that's made in the moment. Um, but hopefully they agree with the idea. We want to win the cup again. And we want to be, be, uh, be at that, of that quality. Um, and that's going to be from giving young players opportunity. And um, again, my 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 uh and stan as well stan's job is to do what's best for the blackhawks and that's my job as well and and doing what's best for the group is not always what's best for the individual but doing what's best for the group is best for most individuals and that's i mean it's pretty simple <laughs> and and so in in any given decision there's going to be certain players who don't love it and that's fine that's that's part of coaching and that's part of uh, this business but at the same time if it's what's best for the group then that's a good that then we'll move that direction looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. 
Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What's your, in that vein, I mean, you were teammates with Brent Seabrook when you were kids. You've known him forever here. Yeah. And now you're his boss. And now you have to tell him frequently that he's a healthy scratch. And he might be a number seven defenseman this year. We don't know yet. Uh, how, how is your relationship with him? Is it awkward? Is it that first time you scratched him? How uncomfortable was that for you? Or can you just separate that as I'm coach now? It's the past doesn't matter. Yeah, no, I mean, it's hard because uh, I've known him for a long time and, and, uh, was his teammates and those, I mean, as, as they just went through with saying goodbye to, to Corey and, and, uh, solder, it's like, those are, you don't lose those bonds when you've won together and, and had, had that experience. Um, as you said, I got to do what's right for the team and what's right for the group. And, uh, you know, I think with older players, you try to do it as much as possible behind closed doors. I think that's the right thing. Um, it's, it's hard because, um, sometimes, you know, you, again, communication is sometimes, communication you may not hear what you want to hear and that's that's tough to take sometimes and uh, but that's I understand that's that's part of the job and that's part of the business and and they're not going to like every decision I make but hopefully if they they know that I'm doing what I think is right for the Blackhawks they can understand at least where I'm coming from. Brent's not a guy who really holds back his emotions either. I mean does it ever get heated between the two of you? I, I <laughs> it's not right to like um, give a play-by-play of, of the conversations. But whenever you tell a player he's not going to play, it's hard. But all you can do is give them the opportunity to voice their opinion and um, their feedback, and, and they deserve to hear um, the, the reasoning and why we're doing it and, and sort of like the evidence. And uh, doesn't mean they're going to like it, but everyone deserves that. When we look at the, at the, the, the roster you have, there's a good chance he would be your number seven if all the young guys come in. If Mitchell plays the way you want him to play, and the and Dahan and Murphy, everyone's healthy. You got seven guys. Uh, do you think he would accept that role? That he would be okay being a rotational guy? You know, never mind the contract, never mind anything else. Just the fact that who he is on that team, what he's accomplished. Do you think he'd be okay accepting that role? Well, we we got to let it play out. I mean, we can't. Again, I talk about we're not going to handicap this. We got to let it. We got to get to camp, and obviously, he's been working really hard to to get back to the level he wants to be at and he wants to play. And I understand that. I mean, players want to play and, uh, that's how we should. That's his, that's what his mindset should be. And, but then I got to do what's best for the team and, and for the Blackhawks, uh, not just now, but in game 70 and, and next season and the year after that. And that's, that's how I want to run the team. I think it's good that we've been, as an organization more open about what we're doing. Cause it just makes it a little bit easier um, for me to speak in media <laughs> about, about uh, when we, we make certain decisions. Um, we know where we're at. I mean, it's since I've been here anyway, I mean, we think there's a pretty clear eyed um, evaluation of, of that. We're not an elite team quite yet. And that's what we want to, that's where we want to get to. So, Again, every decision that I make, every decision that Stan makes should be serving that long-term goal. And it'll be no different with uh, who plays. 
how, how do you balance it? I mean, if Seabrook comes back and he's he's playing well, Shaw comes back or Zach Smith, and th- there are some young guys that newer young guys like Ian Mitchell or Pia Suter. How do you balance wanting to get those young guys time and, and trying to to win and and you know do what's best for the future, even though the present might be that those more experienced or you know veterans are having success in the lineup. Well, that'd be a great problem to have, certainly. I mean, uh, I talked I talk about it earlier where you want quality to play with your young players because that's going to help them have success. You know, having adversity is good for them. They got to go through that. But then when they do the right thing, it's nice if they get rewarded. And so with results. And so we, we want to put these guys in a position to succeed as well. Um, and if, if we have too many too many good players playing well, performing well, and a couple of these guys got to spend a little bit extra time in Rockford, that's not the end of the world either. Um, but we're going to use, we're going to use our, our roster spots in Chicago. We're going to use the opportunities we have in Rockford to develop as many players as we can uh, because we need more depth. I mean, if you look at our team in the playoffs, like we played much better in the second half than we did in the first half. We played much better in the playoffs than we did in the second half. There was a definite progression, but you know, we beat Edmonton and then we when we played Vegas, they were better than us. I mean, they just we the commitment to play in the right way was as good as it had been since I've been here. Uh and we we played with Vegas. We stuck with them for a lot of that series, but we just couldn't sustain it for 60 minutes. Uh, you know, when you, in overtime, you know, the, in game two, it just, they just had too much push, too much depth. They were, they were too relentless. We just, our, our, our level, we couldn't hold it for long enough. So in order to get to that, we need more players. We need more guys who can make a difference. We need more guys who can drive uh, possession, play in the offensive zone. So um, there's a place for older players. And we're not going to have a group of 21, 22-year-olds. And uh, we'll let it play out. Where, I guess when driving possession, it seems like from the second half on, that Cuckoo and Mata had a large play in that. And, you know, I looked kind of through some of the expected goal stats, and, and they were, you know, near the top defensively. Where, how much did you guys balance what they did, you know, in the second half of the season? And especially they played well in that Vegas series. And then uh, obviously trading Mata and then not re-signing Cuckoo. Where... Where did that decision lie in, in opening up those spots for Zadorov and, and possibly a sixth defenseman, Mitchell? Yeah, I mean, they played very well. They had an excellent second half. I think once we went to that pairing, um, you know, put, put Cuckoo with Mata, they, they kind of made each other better and uh, stabilized things in our in our decor. And I thought they were really good in the playoffs too. So, it's yeah, it's tough to see them go at the same time. Um we're we've been in a and I think Stan probably talked about this with you guys. Um, we need more flexibility with with the cap. We need to find um, it's it's hard when you're you're if you're constantly making decisions uh, with you know short term. How are we going to survive? How are we going to ice a team? Uh, because we're so tight and obviously we had the bonus overages last year. Like we just want to get out of that situation. And so part of moving guys out. Um, is to get so we have more f- flexibility. I think we're we're closer than we were before, um, and that's that's positive. And hopefully that can allow us to add some more quality down the road. Um, 
and that's that's kind of where we're at. We know we know that's what we have to do to to get back to being a top team. There's been so many extenuating circumstances throughout your NHL coaching career now. I mean, you got dropped into the middle of a of a season with two days before your first game, replacing a legend. Uh, the next year, you finally get your training camp, and then you lose three guys to season-ending injuries, and then a pandemic hits. Now you're going to have another weird season with a compressed schedule where there's going to be no time to practice. If it's anything like 2013 was, you'll have like five practices all year because there just won't be any off days. Uh, and, and you lose your, 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 your you know, potential, possible Hall of Fame goalie in the process going through a rebuild. Is, do you ever sit back and go, God damn it, can I just get like one normal season where I can just like, you know, have my team and see what I can do with a normal season? Um, well, it's been certainly, you know, a lot of the circumstances have been challenging, but I think that's, that's helping me develop. That's helping me improve as a coach. And um, those experiences, uh, you know, hope I'll look back on them as uh, that was part of me getting where I need to go as, as a coach. Um, the important thing for me is that we continue to show progression as a group here. And uh, we want to be that team who's in every year and, and, and people on the outside are saying, hey, they could win. Um, that's, that's fun. That's why you come to work every day to, to be in the playoffs and, and, uh, you know, be competing for the division and, and all those things. Um, so yes, there's been, um, circumstances outside our control, but it's what you do with them. And, and, uh, I feel like we took some strides last year and now the challenge is to, to push through even more and, and, uh, take another step, uh, probably with a younger group, but that's, that's good. That's what we're looking for. Cause we, that's, we feel like that's the path we need to be on. Um, the adversity is, I mean, in some ways you welcome it because it's going to make you better. Do you feel like one of these young guys sometimes where you are learning on the go and trying to better yourself as a coach, uh, you know, right in the fire like that? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you need to feel like that. And I hope I feel like that when I'm 50, um, that, I need to keep getting better. I need what's the new thing? How how can I, you know, you, you're always looking for new ways of doing things and you're not going to copy it, but you're going to try to take what you like and and put it in, adapt it to your own style. And uh, you got to be yourself. You got to be authentic. And that's always going to be the base of, of what you do. But um, how can I get better? I came to Chicago. I wanted to be around Joel. Like that's, that was a big reason. Um, and obviously Stan gave me the opportunity and, and he's like, Hey, I got my dad, you know, watches all the games and he's going to call you and, and give you his, you know, what he, and his, his opinion on, on everything. And, you know, he loves, he loves asking you questions. You're going to ask him questions. Uh, you're going to be around, uh, Joel Quenville, one of the, you know, he's top two all time. We're probably there. Probably that's so you, I'm coming to the organization had number one and number two, arguably ever. Um, that was why I came. Like I was, we were happy in Sweden. We didn't need to leave. <laughs> and we just kind of got to the top league and had a lot of responsibility and, and I was developing there, uh, every year. It was a great situation for me. So, um, you know, if some other random team would have come and offered their American league job, I may not have taken it. Um, I wanted to learn. I wanted to be around winning. And um, I think I've had lots of opportunity to develop since I've came here. 
and uh, a lot more hopefully what is your relationship with scotty bowman does he still do that does he still call you on the regular and just offer his opinions yeah definitely we we have some calls and uh it's it's fun because he's he's kind of removed um from he's not in chicago he's you know typically he's in tampa and so you know we talk a lot about tampa because that's who he watches um for the for the most part obviously he watches all our games but um it's just a you know his experience and all the things he's been through uh it's immeasurable how much value he can bring and uh but it's he's not in our staff so sometimes he he'll ask questions like why did you do this and it's like okay well you know this happened this happened this happened and I was oh okay that makes sense but then other times he'll come up with something and say hey yeah we should probably look at that that's a good point um that's again that's part of me developing that's you know taken it's also you got to take in you get a lot of outside noise and information and it's like, how do you filter it and, and then make the best decision uh, in the moment? It's a great situation for me in that way to, to be in that environment. And uh, again, hope it's going to make me better, but I, I never want to be like, yes, you're, you're saying, okay, you're, you feel like a young guy and yeah, we have a lot of young guys too, but we want to have that developmental mindset, that, that hunger to be better, like all the time. Like even if we, even if we in, in a couple of years we fast forward and we're a top team and we we somehow we win a cup, like the next year we shouldn't think okay let's put our feet up and just press autopilot and it's just going to happen again. Like that's not how the world works. We need to have a development mentality forever and ever. Amen. And always bringing new young players in, giving them opportunity to grow. The same push and pull. Where, you know, in November, maybe they're going to be out in the last minute and the veteran's going to look at you like, really? I'm like, yeah, really. Like, this is, this is part of what we have to go through to be a top team. And then when you win the cup, that player is a guy you can rely on because the first center got injured. And then that third or fourth center, who's 20, got the chance in November. So now in the playoffs, when you need them, you're not just throwing them into the fire that we need to have that mindset and then okay the first center had to leave because you know for whatever reason you have someone who can come through and and just you have constant sort of reinvention and and new players coming in so that we can build this uh sustainably so we're always a top team that's the goal hard to do and the league naturally goes up and down but doesn't mean we have to accept it and, and to me, part of that is that development mindset and has to come from the coaches too, where if we had, if we somehow have a ton of success or, and I'm fast forward 20 years and, I, and hopefully I've been able to do this for a while. If I don't have that mindset, then I'll be gone pretty soon. Um, and I don't want to be. With development, I, I guess it's something I've been focusing or thinking about a lot, especially doing the book with Gerald Belfry and not just to plug it, but it comes out tomorrow. Um, but uh, <laughs> how much the development has to come through games and then other elements of uh, even, you know, in Rockford, obviously they're playing a lot of games, but where, where do you see development um, outside of just game experience? What, what's important to get these guys to, to where you want them to be? Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a multiple different um, layers to that. I would say um, it's, and it starts early. It starts when we draft them. Uh, the communication they get, you know, from from Mark Eaton and his team, and obviously we, um, 
in, in Chicago have some interaction with them. Uh, you know, they come to camp, they come to development camp, uh, but there's a progression they go through. It's Rockford. It's, it's, uh, hopefully, um, you know, they're, they're having an opportunity to learn what it's like to be a pro and, and get that be put in big situations. And then the practice time, the extra practice time you get in, in Rockford is, is huge. Um, but then at our level, again, I think there needs to be a little bit of a shift in how, how we're going to prepare, how we're going to, um, go about your season. It's not, um, can't just put it on autopilot and wait till playoffs because that's that's not the league anymore like there's I don't there's not many teams who can just put it on autopilot and just end up in the playoffs win the division have home ice like that just probably not going to exist because the, there's so much parity so um it's practice we got to practice and we have to practice hard sometimes when we're going to play games and you might be tired but we're building as the year goes on so that when the big, you know, when you get in the playoffs, you have what it takes. You have that base uh, to your game. It's skill development before practice, after practice. There's a lot of skills coaches. Uh, we worked with Brian Keane here in Chicago. He's got a lot, you know, to add. Um, you know, just extra touches with players, extra feedback. It's one-on-one -on -one meetings. It's it's line meetings. It's D pair meetings. It's D only meetings, it's forward meet, you know, just giving them information, but giving it to them in small um, batches because uh, I think that's where you get the most uh, bang for your buck. Um, obviously, we do team video and things, but um, it's varying it, it's, it's delivering the information in different ways. And because it's not all going to stick, so you just you do it over and over and over again. And, but it, to me, a lot of it is just the, it's the mindset that this is what we do. This is why we're doing it. We're always looking ahead, whether it's to the playoffs and, and competing for a cup or being a team in, in our case right now, it's, it's building a team that can be in the playoffs and, and competing for a cup every year. So um, I think as a coach, part of it, it's become more like you're managing. We have a lot more people on a staff now than maybe you did 20 years ago managing all the tools you have like i'm not running every meeting uh i we got to use the people we have to touch as many guys as we can and, and kind of fan out i think that's an important part of um you know sort of the environment you want to have I, I talked to lucas reichel's coach just this week and he said he sits down with lucas every game and goes over every shift do, do you guys go that far with players or uh, or, or is that something that the assistants do, or will you do that sort of thing with, with Doc or Bofus or anyone? Yeah, so ex exactly. But we share the – I mean, I don't have time to watch every shift with every player um, when you play 80 games. Like, that's not it's not going to work. But what we do, you know, we, we kind of fan out. We, we work together, and uh, so I'll grab a couple guys and or do it as a line. I'll do um, three – so – whatever, um, strong you under Kane. We'll, we'll sit and watch the shifts together. Um, I'll maybe cut it. So it's not, when Kaner plays 25 minutes, you're probably not going to watch all 25 minutes. Um, but you, you, you cut it and then you just, um, you sit and just, it's a conversation and you want them to have their feedback to, Hey, what'd you see here? The, the best thing 
about having them together as they end up coaching each other as well, which uh, I think is a benefit. And you'd love if, if, uh, cause we're not going to do that every game. So then all of a sudden, you know, in, in between shifts, they're grabbing the iPad and looking at it and, and talking about things that they can do to have success. Um, of course I do do individual stuff. Uh, we all do, uh, to, to give feedback, but you got to do it in different ways. And it's also, I, I think with an 80 game season, it can be too much too. You have to know when, when to just leave a guy alone. And maybe it's just a quick conversation. You just bump into him in the morning skate as you're, you're kind of doing the laps and uh, give him, you know, a couple sentences and you get a couple sentences back. Maybe that's the right thing in the moment. Tomorrow is not just Scott's <laughs> book release, but everybody should buy Scott's book. It's also election day here in the States. Obviously we're all on edge. It's very tense. We're all freaking out. A lot of existential dread happening right now. Um, you've kind of, you know, the, a lot of us were disappointed with the way the NHL kind of addressed some of the social justice and, uh, issues over the summer that kind of fits and starts where they did something good and they did something that wasn't so good. And, you know, the draft pick with the Coyotes recently, you've dipped your toe in the waters a little bit of some uh, political activism. What, what what do you feel your the plate? What can hockey do this overwhelmingly white sport full of you know 75 percent non-Americans? What can hockey do to further the conversation, to make things more open, to welcome black hockey fans and, you know, uh, people of color in general to the sport? What, what, is, what is the sport's role in that process? Well, I, I think it's as a group that the answer is different than individually. Um, I mean, hockey, to me, we have such a the, – the platform is huge. but it's uh, as you said. It's it's base. It's it has been a predominantly white sport. I think one thing we we need to do to grow the game is is uh, provide opportunity to people to to be involved. I mean that's one area. There's there's not enough opportunity to like hockey has given me personally so much. I wouldn't be there's. I mean there's so many examples I could give you of of you know ho- hockey's been good for my life. Uh, and not everyone has that opportunity uh, because of just access or where you live or financial. Um, you know, it's it's an expensive sport, and I think we're working at that to to help you know give more an opportunity to be involved and and uh, reap all the benefits, all the life lessons that you get from being involved in team sports, in particular hockey. But I think it comes down to like I I'm more comfortable speaking about my own individual um, values, um, and, and what are we doing to, to help? And, um, I mean, I just feel like I believe in, and trying to make things better for the group and, and trying to make things give opportunity and, and help people who have less. And it's one thing to like go out with a tweet or, you know, whatever, but I just feel like it's more important, like what you do. And, we got to do more. <laughs> so that's, I'm more comfortable just doing that. And, and yeah, there's been times where um, I'll say something or if, if you guys ask a question, I'm, I'm fine with um, putting my values out there. But uh, I, I think you feel better about it if you're actually doing something. And uh, that's, that's kind of my focus. How, how do you look at Twitter? I, I obviously use it a bit. Uh, 
yeah. what uh, do you look at people responding? Do you, is, is any of that worth it for you or what, what, how do you use it as a vehicle? Or I know that you, you probably tweeted a little bit when you, before you came to the Blackhawks, but still do. Well, you can use it in different ways. I, now I just probably use it as a news source for the most part, just to try and, um, get development. You know, there's a lot of people I follow that I'm interested in what they say, or maybe they, they curate news or they curate things. And, and so they'll, they'll put it out there and it's often there's value in that. I'm trying to get better individual development. Um, so obviously it's a great way to communicate. You can reach a lot of people. I did it more in Sweden because, uh, we were a small market and we didn't really have, we certainly weren't the media media powerhouse that the Blackhawks are. So um, that was, I was more active there just trying to reach the fans and trying to get our message out about what we were doing. Uh, again, sim- similar to, you know, sometimes you make decisions and people don't understand why. And uh, so I used it in, in Sweden a little bit to get that out and, and get our side of the story out. Whereas I don't really need to do that here. I, I do lots of media, but uh, I, it's also, yeah, there's a negative side to it too. I mean, you, you can't um, dip into the, all the stuff that gets written. Um, I do every day. This yeah. is why I am the way I am. I know it's tough. I uh, think my wife sent me something uh, a few months and months and months ago. It was like, don't, don't take criticism from someone you wouldn't take advice from. And I got a lot of people I would take advice from. So I just, I focus on that. Uh, there's, there's lots of people who, who I very much value their opinion and, uh, that's who I look to feedback for and everything else. Um, it doesn't mean that, 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 um, you know, people on the outside don't have valid opinion criticisms or whatever it is. And that's totally fine. That's, they, they should uh, make their feelings heard, but it just doesn't, you gotta, it's too much noise. <laughs> you gotta keep it, uh outside how, how does this uh this danny wertz led push toward transparency does it affect you in any way i mean are you going to be more open on twitter are you going to i mean you, you don't really i mean you stonewall us on lineup stuff and nobody really cares about that kind of stuff yeah. in the mornings just in general does it does it affect the way you approach your job in any way well i just it, it will make it easier to you know just the idea like we can be a little more open about what we're why we're making certain decisions um that'll help because I, I, it's way, way easier to just be honest and, and hey, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Um, you got to be with players. You, you want to be respectful and, and uh, you don't want to drag things out in, into the media as much as much as you can. But but sometimes it's it's a it's a benefit to just, hey, this is why we did it. And I've already talked to the player. It's no big deal. Um, it's. Uh, there's a stigma associated with, you know, it's like healthy scratch, you know, it's terrible. Well, I mean, someone's got to sit out. It's like, and it's, it's, uh, it's not that big a deal. You know, that, that player's likely going to go right back in and, and uh, especially with the young guys where it's, it's part of the, it's just part of what we're doing to help make them better so that we can be a, a top team again. So um, I probably like, like lineup stuff and, you know, I just, my job, I feel like is to help us win. So if, if giving information out doesn't affect whether we, our chances to win, I don't care. It's, I'm happy to, but sometimes, um, 
you know, you don't want to give stuff out because you, you feel like it may um, decrease an advantage you may have. It's more kind of in the playoffs or, or big games, um, you know. So, so in so in that vein, can I? I've asked you this 150 times, I think, over the last. Well, year, ask so. again, man, please. I'm gonna ask again because now it's transparency. What? What? How did Henry Yokihara you go from playing 22, 23 minutes a night to playing 14 minutes a night to being loaned out to the World Juniors against his wishes to being traded so quickly? What? What went on there? What did you not see in him that maybe others did see in him? I mean, it's not like he went on and had a Norris campaign for the Buffalo Sabres yeah. or anything like that. So it's not like, but it, it, it just happened so quickly. How quickly he seemed to fall out of favor. What went down there? Well, I mean, I, I can't speak to like what happened before. I mean, that's not fair for, for me to comment on that. But um, he's was he nineteen? You know, it's it's there's going to be ups and downs and and. Uh, no different than we handled the young guys this year, I would say. <laughs> you know, they they played some some games they played more, some games they played less. Uh, sometimes we felt like they had to come out um, to understand that we we needed to um, we wanted to see something different from them in their performance. Um, it's it's one of those things where each individual decision it's when you, you add it, you add it all up worse. We're just trying to help them get better, get to the next level, be, be more of a, uh, create as many difference makers as we can ultimately, you know, Stan decided to, to make a move, but it's not because we didn't believe that he was going to be, um, an NHL player and a, and a contributor and, and hopefully he's still going to develop into a, you know, a, a top four D. Um, but you know, it's, I don't think we handled him differently than we did any of the other young guys we had this year. It's just, he, he started, he started, he went, went right in, he played a lot of minutes. And, and so um, that probably changed the narrative a little bit. You, you obviously read us to an extent, uh, at least on Twitter or uh, maybe our stories. Are there things that you. Only, only when Rogo <laughs> sends me the articles. Are, are there things that you, you think we, you think we get wrong or are there things that I guess that we've even addressed today that you feel like uh, we, we don't talk about, or we maybe do get wrong about when we describe it? Well, I, I do think it's, it's, it's good that we um, hopefully with us being as open as we are with, with what we're doing and what the plan is, it, it's easier for the media to understand like the decisions that we're making. Um, I think it's hard to any one decision. It's hard to describe it as inexplicable or mind-boggling. I mean, obviously, we there's a process that we've gone through to reach that decision, you know, <laughs> and and there's uh, sometimes we have information that you don't have. <laughs> that's that's part of that's part of life. So there may be there may be decisions that you don't understand, but typically there would be a rationale uh there that that might might make it uh a little more you, you might understand how we would get there and uh you know but that's also that's part of that's part of the business so we gotta as a when you're in a leadership role you gotta have blinders on in some ways and hey we've decided this is the right thing this is why we're doing it and people might not in the in the in the short term People might not agree and they may criticize and that's, that's part of it. Um, but over time, um, if you add them all up, 
you should get more right than you get wrong. And those decisions should lead to, in our case, winning and being an elite team in the league. And that's what I expect to be judged on. And that's all you would want and to be evaluated on. Do you expect slash hope to have a new contract extension in place before whenever this season does start? <laughs> no idea. Uh, that's not something we've, it's not, my, my focus day to day is on next season, how we're going to play, how we're going to win. Um, it goes back to the values thing. My goal has always been to leave things better than you found them. And, and uh, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. I want to put the team in a, a better position to win tomorrow than it is today. And it, it does happen where you go through that and you're not around to, to reap the benefits. I don't really care. Um, cause I, I just feel like that's not going to change my approach. Um, of course I, I want to be with the Blackhawks for a long time and I want to win Stanley cups here and I'm tremendously grateful for the opportunity I've been given and I want to make the most of it. How I repay that is just do the right thing every day again and again and again and again. And uh, I think the rewards will come from that. And uh, just don't worry about anything else. I assume we would have heard something by now, but is your staff returning? And then do you, do you expect to sort of have the same roles uh, with them going forward? Yeah, I think it, we, uh, anytime you, you bring new people in, there's a bit of a, um, it takes a while to settle in. And, and as a coach, as the leader of it, you're trying to figure out how are we going to use these guys as best we can. Um, you know, obviously, Mark, I, I didn't know before. Um, so just trying to get to know him and, and what he can bring and where his strengths are and how he best, best compliments me. But even you know, having worked with Sheldon and having worked with uh, Thomas before, it's still, you're still trying to figure out how we best complement each other. And uh, I think we went through that and we got better as a staff as the year went on as well. So it doesn't mean we won't change and, and adjust as, as it goes on. But I would say the start will probably be the same. All right. Well, I think we're coming up on an hour here. We appreciate taking all this time, Jeremy. This has been fun. It's been nice to kind of have a casual conversation. Um, we welcome the, uh, the transparency that the, uh, that the team is heading towards. I think this is good for us. It's good for you guys. It's good for the fans. And uh, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Everybody buy Scott's book. <laughs> sounds good. That sounds like a good plan. I can help even just a little.